0: Welcome to Able Active Moms. Jeremy Brown and his guests are here to help the struggling moms better understand and manage their time for personal health. Now here's Jeremy.
1: Hi, and welcome back this week to Able and Active Moms. Um, this week I have joining me Caitlin Donovan with National Patient Advocate Foundation. Uh, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I am very happy to cover this topic Um, I was really interested in it and I'm so pleased that you were willing to to come on and share your expertise and your information Um, today we are talking about um, uh, being a caregiver and all that that entails Um, like that means that you have a role as sort of a patient advocate yourself potentially and um, how we can help people manage or navigate the medical system which can be very complicated and then we're also going to talk about um what the role of being a caregiver means for you like what are the implications of that what does that what does that take out of your life how much of a burden can that be and how can you manage that as well but but first um I would just love to share with everyone what the organizations that you're affiliated with do what they offer
2: of course I work for essentially two organizations. Uh, Patient Advocate Foundation is a national nonprofit charity that provides free case management and financial assistance to anyone with a diagnosed condition. So we work with people with diabetes, cancer, lupus, IBD, uh, hundreds of different conditions. And we'll go with them through really almost any part of their process towards getting more benefits, um financial assistance whatever it is they need Um, national patient advocate foundation um, works with patients from paf and with our volunteers to educate patients and teach them how to advocate for themselves and for others
1: so one is almost maybe more resources for the patient and the other one is in a way more outreach or more resources for people
2: one of them is direct assistance and the other one is education think of it that way
1: yeah and that's what we're handing out hopefully today is education on this because clearly if someone is going through um a huge medical issue that is a really tough and complicated time and it starts to be very overwhelming and and you can't navigate that yourself i've i've been through some serious i have a medical background and um there is no way i could have navigated it on my own the medical issues um dealing with appointments scheduling appointments having all of your paperwork there with you and talking to doctors and taking notes it just it's a lot so the first thing i'd like to kind of get into today is if you are taking on the role of a caregiver and um i mean perhaps you have the resources to to bring in an advocate or they can reach out if not they can reach out to to paf and hopefully find some advocacy but what tools can a caregiver bring into the situation to help the person receiving medical care um like
2: that's a big question and i think it divides into a few different silos. One is like personality types. So what kind of person you look for as a caregiver um, and what kind of parts of their personality should they put forward? I was about to say she, because most family caregivers tend to be women, although certainly not all. Um, You really want to find someone who is diplomatic (laughs) is the best way (laughs) of putting it. Um, Someone who's very aggressive may end up interacting poorly with your providers or even yourself, um, that someone who's too passive may not advocate for you the way you may need. So someone who is also rather meticulous, will take good notes and keep things organized, um, who the type of person who has your best bet is someone who has like different color coded filing systems. Like those are my favorite (laughs) because, um, a lot of caregiving has to do with kind of administrative work sometimes that like, when, what bills are due when, and when do we have, need refills, and when do we have to schedule appointments, and how much time do we need to take off, and how much time do we need to schedule for this appointment, that type of thing. So someone who's diplomatic and meticulous is great, um, and someone with a lot of sympathy and empathy who can, who's not going to burn out uh, of giving you the emotional support that, that you may need is really essential. Um, And that can be hard. And sometimes you may have to compromise on those things, depending on your situation. (laughs) Um, Other than that, um, caregivers just bringing in whatever they can give. Um, Sometimes financial support is great, but a lot of times, frankly, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this, the caregiver themselves ends up needing financial support because of all the work that they're doing and giving up maybe that paid work outside the home um physical work a lot of times caregiving can be very physically stressful you're lifting you're helping someone shower maybe or go to the bathroom you're cleaning you're doing all of this physical activity that can be really exhausting
1: yeah it is a very multifaceted challenge and you know and it's and it could it's would seem maybe almost impossible to find someone who ideally fits in all of these molds that they are highly meticulous and and very organized but also exceptionally empathetic and caring and also like strong and physically (laughs) able and um but also we'll talk about this as well I think it's important um for caregivers to help to seek out other help as well and find people to help fill spaces that they don't fill as well. Um, and we, we will get into that. Um, but sticking for the moment with um, helping someone through the medical system. And as you said, like being very organized and very meticulous and because it we're talking about covering billing and hospital records and appointment times. And, and a lot of things, a lot of these things can be very overwhelming, of course, if you're going through things. So this, you need someone to manage all of this. So someone coming into a doctor's appointment with a notebook or something, let's talk first, I guess, about what, as a caregiver, can you do to help communicate with doctors and help make doctor's appointments run more smoothly?
2: You know, After financial concerns, the most common question I get asked is, how do I get my doctor to listen to me? Um, It's a really common complaint. And and some of the things we talk about are how to talk and think like a doctor. And I think one of the most important things someone can do, um, either by yourself or with your caregiver, is to sit down before any doctor's appointment and think about, What you want to get out or accomplish with that appointment, what your symptoms are that are bothering you and how those symptoms affect you. A lot of times when I talk to patients and I ask what's going on, they'll start giving me a very long story. And that's great. And I'm here to listen. So that's fine. But in a doctor's office, it may not work as well because they only have a limited amount of time and they're going to try and cherry pick from your story what they think is relevant to the care they can give you. So instead you need to say, I have trouble going up and down the stairs. I have to sit down on my tush to go up the stairs. I can't take my dog for a walk anymore. Um, I get short of breath when I get out of the bed. Things like that, that are direct examples of how a symptom is um, affecting your daily life are really good data points for doctors because then they're understanding what's bothering you and what type of care or treatment you may need in order to uh, address the problem i mean i grew up with a pediatrician who when we said like it hurts when i do this would just look at us and say don't do that then so (laughs) being able to communicate what's wrong and what you want the end goal to be is really important before you even go into the appointment and the other major thing an advocate can do or a caregiver can do in those doctor's appointments are making sure you're validating that patient experience, that you're also saying, I've seen this happen. Um, because often, especially women, women of color, they're not, they their concerns will get dismissed by providers, even well-meaning ones um, for all sorts of reasons. So validating that experience, taking notes, circling back saying, I, I heard you say this about my symptoms is that what you said, is that what you meant? Making sure that you're, you're each hearing each other and communicating with those goals. Um, those are all really important things to do for a caregiver.
1: So then those goals can be clearly communicated to the doctor because often mm-hmm. they see big picture of the diagnosis and they don't necessarily, and they want, they want to correct the issue. And they don't necessarily delve into how these things affect your daily life or what challenges are arising in your daily life. And often those things could be managed if they are appropriately addressed.
2: And frankly, this comes back to finances too. Sometimes, well, first off, we really, really strongly recommend you talk about any financial concerns you have with your provider because they may be able to change your treatment um, to better accommodate those concerns in a way that will just as effective. Um, My fallback example of that is when you're treating cancer. So you had oral anti-cancer treatments and you have chemo. For some cancers, you can choose which one and your provider may default to choosing an oral chemo medication because that an oral anti-cancer medication, I should say. because it's at home, it has maybe fewer side effects. Sometimes people can prefer it, but sometimes your insurance may not cover that the same way that they'll cover a chemotherapy. And if you can get transportation there and you can afford that better, and you're more likely than to actually go through that treatment, that might be a better treatment plan for you than an oral medication, if that makes sense. Um, and there's much less, Dramatic examples than cancer therapy, even small things like a generic medication versus a um, a big label medication, I'm losing words today, Um, to even just where they're recommending you get a um, like radiology or um, a MRI, anything like that. Um, oftentimes when I get told I needed an ultrasound or I needed an MRI and I would ask where I should go and they would just hand me this like mimeographed paper, you know, as I was leaving, that was left over from like the ditto machine back in the day. And it's like, this is really old. <laughs> like It's not applicable. So um, them just telling you that they may have someone they would recommend that's down the street that's in your insurance network is is really helpful sometimes. And that's also the type of thing a caregiver would be really good at doing.
1: Yeah, taking on the role of, of organizing finances and seeking transparency in finances and billing, mm-hmm. um, because you won't necessarily be told if something's in or out of network unless you seek that information. And often it's really easy, as I said, to to get back into your network. It just may not be the first thing offered to you. Um, often there are many out of pocket expenses that can be a surprise if you don't again seek transparency and seek information on exactly how all of this is going to go down and how it's going to be dealt with with your insurance and all of this stuff can be managed ahead of time
2: absolutely well but most of it can
1: <laughs> but of course that's it's even,
2: yeah it's even little things like I've had a patient tell me that their doctor well-meaning gave them a cane in the office and then they ended up with a large charge because it was given to them in the office instead of just ordering the 15 version on amazon so little things can add up and we try and do what we can as patients in the system that we're working within but um it can be difficult
1: yeah yeah because I mean, we all know that anything that comes to you through the hospital is going to be significantly more expensive than something that you can source on your own. And sometimes mm-hmm. that can be covered by insurance and sometimes not. So it's, yeah. It, it's again, really difficult, good. yes. <laughs> it's always just good if, again, as a caregiver to be there to step in and say, you know, is this really necessary right now? Is this something that we can do? do later on our own what are the what are the finances associated with this treatment or with this item
2: absolutely I remember um my father had a stroke two years ago and I was in the original appointment with him when they were evaluating whether or not to send him to the hospital and they agreed we needed to send them to the hospital um and I've heard so many horror stories in my line of work that my immediate response was like don't call the ambulance we'll drive him over <laughs> um and those are just little things but having like I was lucky enough to be able to be in the position where I could go with my father to the office I could be the one taking notes he was not in the position to give a reliable story about what had been going on so in that instance it was important and then being able to manage the recommendations we were receiving with an end goal of lesser expenses fewer expenses
1: absolutely thank you for sharing um (laughs) He's lucky to have you there with a very applicable.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I have box. a certain set of skills.
1: <laughs> um, and there you are to step in and be like, "This is exactly the way things should go down. This is what this is what I know could go down at any given time, and this is the way we're going to navigate the system," um, which is what we're trying to share with people today, that how can you be more prepared for this? What is the toolbox you need to start to create? Um, We are actually going to take a quick break. um, But when we come back, we're going to continue talking um, probably more about uh, the role of a caregiver and the and what that means to the individual and how they can help find care for themselves. So keep listening in, and we will be right back.
3: Move Ed is a new exercise system developed from the latest in science and designed to help you feel your body in a whole new way. Offering free online videos, live online exercise classes and wellness tips and ideas on social media move ed has options to help everyone feel and move better check us out today and start your new journey into physical health Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: Welcome back to Able Active Moms. Have a question for Jeremy or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. Now back to the show welcome back
1: and thank you for listening today um today I have with me Caitlin Donovan with National Patient Advocate Foundation thanks again for sharing your your knowledge with us today having a great time thank you me too um right before break we were talking about what you can kind of bring to the table and what you can offer as a caregiver like what someone is going to really need you to do and how they're going to need you to be there and we were talking about finances in particular and um while we were on break you mentioned a very interesting um deadline that's coming up that is going to affect that subject like helping people with their finances and their insurance there is an April 1st Medicaid deadline change
2: that's right. Now, for the last three years, there's been millions of people who've been allowed to stay on the Medicaid program, even if they didn't necessarily qualify for it anymore. That was part of a lot of the COVID legislation that went through. Um, mm. But starting April 1st, a lot of people, millions of people will be up for reevaluation for the program and could be kicked off of their insurance. Um, this is especially relevant to caregivers. Um, a lot of the elderly population in this country countries on Medicaid, so are over half of the children actually in the country Um, but medicaid is one of the few programs that pays for in-home nursing um, in-home care especially by a family member so if you are one of those people and you are listening to this please keep an eye out for your renewal packet check on your e-portal however it is you update your medicaid information make sure all of your information is updated um, and that they have what they need from you, so that you're not kicked off when you actually still qualify for the program.
1: That is a really valuable piece of information. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, because we will talk a, a bit about the financial burden of caregiving, because of course that's a real thing too, and and there are um, resources out there to help manage with that as well. I mean, mm-hmm. and through Medicaid, if that's part, of, uh, if you are part of that program. Um, I mean, so as far as the the burden of being a caregiver or what falls on you as being a caregiver, I guess often there's this perhaps assumption by someone. It's also the reason that we're doing it on this show, Able Active Moms, is because you said it's often the woman. And so that's often, you know, the mother of the family who has perhaps the time and the and is that type of person to manage this thing and there's an assumption perhaps or an expectation that this is part of your role as the child or of the parent or of the parent of the child or you know of your loved one that this is a a part of that relationship that being a caregiver is part of that relationship and while i think it's reasonable that it's perhaps expected of you to step forward in this way it should be noted that this is a A different relationship a different role a different job it's not your role as a daughter to be a caregiver that's a separate like relationship with this person now and it has its own challenges and its own um its own things that it takes from you yes
2: oh absolutely absolutely and i've had such interesting conversations particularly Um, with immigrant families actually about this issue where there's that very large cultural expectation that particularly daughters will become caregivers. Um, And it's a different role. It's, It's dramatically different even from being a parent, I think, is being a caregiver, especially for your own parents, because there's so many different dynamics that go into that relationship. There's that, you know, filial expectation. There's also like, all of the baggage we bring in from our teenage years and there is also just um the very almost debilitating time crunch it can take especially increasingly for certain times of conditions when you think of what it takes to be a caregiver for someone say with alzheimer's you have this complicated role of not only being the administrative person but also handling your own emotions as you watch maybe your mother or father no longer recognize you as their child. Um, So it's incredibly complicated. That's why on our on our website, patientadvocate.org, under our resource directory, there's an entire section of social support for caregivers. it's really, really helpful, especially if you can find people who are going through similar issues where you can kind of vent in a safe space. Um, because that's kind of frowned upon too, a lot of times to to actually maybe complain a little bit um, about what you're going through, even if what you're going through is really, really hard, which it often is.
1: Yeah, it's massively challenging. And it seems like you could feel very alone, right? All of a sudden, a the people who are normally around you maybe do not empathize or understand the situation you're going through. And you are also burdened with a new time expenditure, which doesn't allow you to even enter into the social interactions you did before. All of a sudden you aren't the maybe the only interaction you have is with medical care and the person that you are assisting. And so you can be very alone. Um and feel like there's no one there for you. But actually, there are so many resources.
2: There uh, are social a lot of resources, yes. And actually, I forget if it's Oregon or Washington state, but one of those two states has a really great campaign called, like, you call it caregiving. You call it this, we call it caregiving. And it's saying, like, you call it going to the grocery store, we call it caregiving. We call it, um changing the bed we call it caregiving with the idea that people don't even sometimes recognize that these roles that they're playing are also caregiving roles it's not just being a daughter it's doing that and that playing that role qualifies you for all these different resources and supports that are out there some financial some other and that it's okay to reach out for that support it's not a failing it's not a weakness it's it's really what you deserve and can make it easier for you and better for the person you're taking care of.
1: Yes. You don't want to harbor all of this or hold all of this inside and then take it out on this <laughs> person who needs your help. Um, I guess first off there, if you're on social media, it's very easy to go on Facebook and search for support groups and they can be very specific to the diagnosis of the person that you're giving care to. Yes.
2: Yes. Yes, and that is so essential. I know, um, and it's true for patients too, but it's also why we have things like, my immediate experience was just even having children and having like young mother support groups and everything like that, where you're going through this insane experience, especially if you're living away from your own family. Um, But there's any, if you go on Reddit, if you go on Facebook, there is a support group out there for you that can be disease specific. It can be a geographic, wherever it is, whatever you're seeking, it exists out there for you and you should look into it. Don't be shy, be brave.
1: Let you know you're not alone. It'll give you a space, safe space, safe space to vent or a whole community that you feel can support you um, and hopefully really help with emotional and mental stress Mm -hmm. because. Depression is a very real thing in this situation for all of the factors you mentioned, right? Not just because of the resources you're giving out, but also how the changes that are happening with your loved one affect you as well.
2: And Absolutely. It, was, where... it was interesting to go through when we were all shut down in the pandemic and talking to people who are caregivers, caregivers especially for people with immuno Ish. issues, because their reaction was often that, uh, now everyone else is understanding what I go through on a daily basis pre-COVID, that you have to be really careful about who you're interacting with and that you have these like long hours that are spent maybe with just one other person, um, which I thought was really interesting, but also made me so sad because um, there's kind of a lot of trauma in there if you're not getting the support that you need. That support is so critical and it it's important to kind of feel like yourself again and to have that and take that back for yourself for whatever your situation is
1: yeah and I so then I, I just we're saying the first thing is a- acknowledging acknowledging that, that what you're doing has real challenges and those challenges deeply affect you and then also being very objective about how they're affecting you like am I how am I different than I was before <laughs> I put this on am I is showing signs or symptoms of anxiety or depression um, that i need to be aware of and start to manage so that i show up for myself but also show up for this other person
2: absolutely and and getting that i mean if you can afford um a therapist sometimes even like the online therapists those are out there um they're increasingly covered by different types of insurance it's worth looking into as well because um, there's also a shame for some families and, and some people with getting, going into therapy, but really therapy is about getting the tools you need um, to react differently to these types of situations and to be a healthier person.
1: Fantastic. I, I thought it was interesting in addition to, um, say, social media or the internet. I, know, I think it's just very fascinating how much technology is giving us better resources and there are <laughs> apps out there now I was I was looking through NPAF's website NPS website there are apps out there to help manage time as a caregiver or look for other resources as a caregiver and again social networking as resources that there are so many tools available now because of technology
2: yes absolutely and even just little hacks i was talking this is kind of goes back to what we're talking about communities um and they're giving you support but they can give you good little hacks too i knew someone who um lived in a different state as their parents and they were process of moving but in the interim there were appointments that they couldn't get to physically but they just used facetime to be there at the appointment and that way they were still supporting and still playing that role of validating their parents experience um they weren't creating this whole other bad situation by rushing back there physically.
1: That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Reclaiming your time.
2: Time <laughs> your is valuable. Time. Uh, like It's the most valuable thing we have.
1: <laughs> it is. And that's the, you know, when the major resources you're going to be giving up and that leads right to another point, which it is, so valuable of course to take care of your mental health but because you again may be tasked with physical challenges it's very important to take care of your physical health as Mm -hmm. well and that again takes time I think maybe and this should be delved into with whoever you whoever you get support from as a caregiver but it you, you can I'm sure be guilty about putting time in for yourself when you feel like all of your time should be put in for another person who's clearly going through something very traumatic um and and that couldn't be further from the truth
2: well I think it's really important to take care of yourself carve that time out create a schedule and stick to it feel guilty when you don't maybe um I know I have like I've said I think earlier today I have three young kids um my dad had a stroke two years ago, we're all helping out there. And so for me, my kids go to school early three days a week, they eat breakfast there, they love it. And I go to the gym. (laughs) That is my time. I'm very, very strict with it. Um, We don't mess around about it. Um, And it's incredibly helpful. It's good for your body. It's good for your mind. It's good for managing stress. There's a gym friends I have there highly recommend it whatever that is for you if it's going for walks if it's um you know going to yoga there's um oh I always forget her name but the yoga lady on YouTube who's very popular whatever it has to be for you you should do it
1: (laughs) and take time for that Adrian Adrian, yes
2: absolutely
1: (laughs) I have clients who do classes with Adrian online absolutely (laughs) like is that okay like yes absolutely you don't <laughs> just have to do things with me please it makes you happy and you're willing to do it I absolutely 100 on board um because I'm always take care of your physical health but certainly at a time like like this where you are giving so much to someone else it becomes just that much more important to take care of yourself in every way you can
2: absolutely absolutely I think
1: then forming some kind of boundaries around this. Like, again, looking at this as maybe it is ex- expected of me as a loved one or as a, as a family member, but it is also in its own way a job. And I create boundaries with jobs um, because I still need to have a life outside of this job. So seeing it not as a a, a re- relationship with a loved one, but as a caring role, professional role, and it should have established professional boundaries that allow you to still have a real life of your own.
2: I think that's really smart. I I think thinking of it that way, and that can be kind of the biggest mental hurdle for a lot of people, especially when you're talking about family, and it comes with its own guilt, but being able to put those boundary lines around it also helps you keep it in perspective of what, um, What's a reasonable demand on your time, and and on your emotions when you're in that role?
1: Yeah, I know from talking to clients, and this can be a very tricky thing to navigate. But I know from talking to friends and clients who have been through this with their parents that sometimes you have to give out a little tough love because I've, I've heard plenty of stories where now they start to rely on you in a way that really they can start to rely on themselves again, you know, and, and this can be a tricky thing to navigate. You know, sometimes people are very, really, really, very much in need, but sometimes, you know, you're improving. You need to start to take these things on for yourself. It's mentally healthy for you to take these things on for yourself. And I need to let this go.
2: One of the good strategies I've heard there that was helpful for at least one person I've talked to, um, <laughs> was, uh, the idea of writing down goals with the person you're um, working with, you know, if you, if you want to be able to walk or to, to get your, to sweep your own floors, whatever it's going to be within this length of time. And when you get there reminding and reinforcing that, that, they, that, was their goal and they've hit it. And then, so they have to do it. Um, it can be really helpful, but the, the tricky part is with, with family caregiving is, is keeping that boundary while still maintaining that familial relationship. <laughs>
1: yeah but I love that idea um of creating goals in it um because that's then very mentally positive also for the person who's being cared for that you know there there are we can these are places that we can get you back to this is a quality of life that we can get back to and this is a, a level of Independence that you will be able to return to which will be healthy for both of us exactly. um, in this situation <laughs> Um, yeah, because th- that can be a very tricky thing because of course, there's potentially some things that you're going to have to do for this person or your life. And, and hopefully, um, you can find a way to manage all of that. Um, because it is, that can clearly be a huge challenge to your time and your energy. I love the, the. What did you call it for the thing from Washington and Oregon? There, there. You call it
2: caregiving. Their- you call it this. We call it caregiving. Yeah, it's really yeah. good. <laughs> it's because very then funny. you
1: just start to acknowledge how all of these little things you do really are a, a separate role and a separate job.
2: Exactly. I've seen job descriptions for caregiving for family caregiving.
1: Oh, that's fantastic!
2: <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> and also, um, also like. Think about what you're doing, in terms, I mean, a lot of times we're just expected, especially as women, to just do these things. We called it unpaid labor for a reason, but it's worth what you're doing, even if you're not actually getting paid. Um, what you do is worthwhile and and worth holding up your head about.
1: Yeah, and yeah. actually, potentially, what with depending on what's going on, you can get paid for this. Actually, mm-hmm.
2: absolutely, you're
1: take a uh quick break again, actually. But when we come right back, we're going to talk about that kind of the financial burdens of caregiving and resources that are out there to help manage that. So keep listening in and we will be right back.
3: Move Ed is a new exercise system developed from the latest in science and designed to help you feel your body in a whole new way offering free online videos, live online exercise classes, and wellness tips and ideas on social media. MoveEd has options to help everyone feel and move better. Check us out today and start your new journey into physical health.
1: Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device Resiliency Within can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
0: Welcome back to Able Active Moms. Have a question for Jeremy or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. Now back to the show
1: and welcome back. Uh, Today, I'm having a really interesting discussion with Caitlin Donovan of National Patient Advocate Foundation. Thanks again for sharing your time. Oh, absolutely. And um, right before break, we were talking about um, the challenges of being a caregiver, what that kind of puts on you and how that changes your life. Um, and, And because it takes up time, often it also takes up finances. You might not be able to work full time the way you did before or the finances that you have to give for support to the person you're caring for can put a burden on your finances. And there are resources out there to help manage that as well. What do people
2: So depending on the state you live in, I believe there are 14 states now that have actual um, leave, medical leave, caregiving support leave on the books, Um, and you will get a percentage of your paycheck or a certain amount that's pinned to maybe like social security wages or or the average wages in your state, Um, usually for up to 12 weeks. Sometimes it goes up to 18. Uh, I think the most generous weekly amount was from New Hampshire, live free or die um but that was like 1800 I think a, m- a week up to um other states maybe 800 but any little bit is worthwhile um and usually those cover parental spouses um family members um in my state of New Jersey it includes found family which I love um so it's absolutely worth checking and applying if your state is there of course if you already have given up your job Um, That's a different situation. One of the big things I will tell you now is that if you have siblings and you are responsible for the primary caregiving for your parent, you should be thinking about a conversation now with your siblings because I have seen this too much. So I'm saying it out loud. I'm giving you permission if you are listening Have the conversation with your siblings. Talk about what it is costing you in real wages lost and in the amount of your time you're putting in and make it explicit that if they're not going to be there physically, that they can support financially. Do it, (laughs) please. Um, You can also do long-term care insurance. Um, Sometimes obviously you'd have to do that ahead of time. Um, They're not always great plans, but again, any little bit helps um there are programs that might be disease specific you can look into um and the other big tip I have about finances here is that what a lot of people do when they're looking for financial support is that they look for something specific to a certain thing like um, financial support for a medication and they look for medication support and if you open up kind of the vision for what you're looking for and look for anything you might qualify for um, rental assistance, mortgage assistance, food or nutrition assistance, free dog food, whatever you can find, something is out there for you that you qualify for, and often any little bit helps because if you clear up spot- space in one part of your budget, that means it can open someplace else. Um, again, we have what we call the National Financial Resource Directory. It's on patientadvocate.org. Um and all you have to do is go in there, put where you are, maybe the condition or what you're looking for, and it will pre-populate all these programs and financial aid assistance sources that we've already screened that you may qualify for and their contact information is right there for you.
1: That's a fantastic resource.
2: It's really good, it's really good. I know I'm tuning my own horn here, except it's I didn't make it. So <laughs> I'm tuning my colleague's own horn here. <laughs>
1: we're here to share um because you're right it, it it's you can just get focused in on what medical assistance I can get or how I can get financial assistance for this but really there are so many resources out there and if you can get a little bit from all of these different places you can draw from multiple different places it can in the end add up to a huge difference in anything as you said, helps.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And like I said, when we talked about earlier, the case managers, if you qualify or whoever you're working for qualifies um, for the program, then case managers at Patient Advocate Foundation can help do that for you.
1: And who qualifies for Patient Advocate Foundation?
2: <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> um In case I didn't go over it, or maybe I didn't, it's really anyone with a um, diagnosed chronic or debilitating condition so um, you have to be receiving care within the u.s be here legally um and that's about it they're very broad qualifications the only thing will be we don't cover accidents um, or um things like pregnancy unfortunately but any diagnosed condition if you have a prescription for it there's a good chance we're covering it
1: that's great and does that have to do with anyone's finances or resources? Is it based on this as well? Or, I don't understand. Uh, meaning, it, is it based on someone's available person?
0: Oh,
2: no, there's no income qualifications at all. It's just if you need help and you have this Um, what we're really great at, well, we're really great at everything,
0: but um,
2: our expertise is um, things like insurance navigation. If you're struggling to figure out why you're getting denied for something or getting something covered, um, you get a big medical bill. But once you're kind of in our system, we're there to help you with whatever it is that's going to help you. Um, And I wasn't kidding about the dog food earlier. I've talked to case managers who've worked with the uh, you know, local dog shelters or whatever it is to get dog food over to someone. So that expense is off of their table. Even setting up a dog walker as someone was in recovery just to make sure that the dog is being taken care of.
1: So then you have access to this incredible personal resource who's going to look at your situation as an individual and help you find all those little places that you can get assistance. That's right.
2: And even if you don't qualify for that program, that National Financial Resource Directory I mentioned earlier—that's just on the site there, waiting for anyone who wants to use it.
1: Wonderful. Uh, I, I was as I was going through things, actually taking away from mpaf but it was linked through you. Um, <laughs> Archangels. was a really interesting site as well, which was a site for caregivers um, that I found a link to through one of your resources
2: yeah they're wonderful they're wonderful um i can't tell you enough about the program but um the the people who are doing work for caregivers are a special type of angel if i can pun on their name Um, so like you said before those resources exist for people the resources exist for caregivers i think caregivers a lot of times feel invisible because they're not being acknowledged outside of the system and oftentimes they're sometimes they're taken for granted by the people they're caregiving for so those organizations that are set up specifically to help them i think are very special
1: archangels actually had a, a survey or a questionnaire a little test you could take to um give you a sense of exactly how much of your life you maybe are giving out how much care you are giving out um, I'm sure that was 11 online quiz. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <Good enough>. um, <laughs> I think those are great because I think we also have a tendency to normalize our own situation. I mean, I've done it to myself where I'm like, you know, all of a sudden I go to the doctor and say, oh, yeah, I haven't been able to walk on this for you know, five weeks, Like, why did you come in four and a half weeks ago? Um, <laughs> same thing kind of with caregiving, where you don't realize how much time and how many resources you've sunk in um, until you take a giant step back and have to evaluate it rather objectively.
1: You look at um, the time that you go to sleep every night and what time the alarm goes off every oh, no. day. <laughs> exactly. How long have I been normalizing under five hours of sleep a night? And is that okay? <laughs> <laughs>
2: and so <laughs> we just read my kids the riot act on Friday nights. Like, what are the three reasons you wake up mommy and daddy in the morning? Leading, <laughs> fire, <laughs> broken. <laughs> Something is broken, you or a piece of furniture. Those are the
1: three reasons. <laughs> Boundaries again, very important to have. <laughs> Not
2: that that always works, but we try. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you're working on it. That's fantastic. <laughs> you know? Thanks, yeah. Coach. <laughs> taking well, it's taking the things that you learn from your work life and applying it to your life at home. Right?
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's funny too as as we work through all these things and Um, Just little things, you know, I, I, for a long time, we were trying, we try very hard to encourage people to make plans, um, especially as you're in the population where your parents are getting older, and to try and sit down and have an honest conversation about what their needs will be as they age and who they want to take care of them. And it's not just who do you want over here mowing the lawn? It's also like, if you need help going to the bathroom, which is like a topic my parents don't want to have. Um, who do you want to have help you? Like if, if you need help showering, if you um, do you have a piece of paper with your passwords on it someplace hidden in the safe, um, all these little things that we don't like to think about, um, but kind of become essential, because if you wait until too long, to have those conversations, everything gets a lot harder. Um, especially some of those direct caregiving conversations, because then you have the patient um, herself or himself getting frustrated because they aren't getting what they want or need because that conversation wasn't had. And sometimes they don't even have the words to tell you anymore.
1: Mm, Yeah, great. That's fantastic advice. So preemptively preparing for these things, both with conversations with your parents and also with your siblings and being really real and upfront and honest about how this is all going to play out or what the expectations are since you never know how it's going to play out, but you can start to prepare.
2: Oh, exactly. I mean, I've, I feel like everyone knows a family or they are the family where, you know, uh, someone dies and everyone fights and it's never the same. And if you can avoid that situation for yourself. Not, not the someone dying that was more, morbid, but you know, it, avoiding terrible situations by actually having the conversation and making things real um, is a really healthy and productive step.
1: Fantastic. Um, I would like to thank you so much for sharing everything today. That's been oh, everything you. I wanted to be. <laughs> um, how can, so what how exactly do people reach out to National Patient Advocate Foundation or Patient Foundation? Um, what other resources would you like to share?
2: If you need assistance, if you go to the patientadvocate.org, there's under services, you'll see more information about our case managers. You'll see our care lines, which are um, maybe disease specific. There's a few of those. You can call them directly to get assistance um, with the specialists there. Um, if you have been listening and really identify with what we've been talking about and want to share your story or learn to advocate for others, you can go to npaf.org. There's a lot of information there. There's a link to volunteer or share your story, and we'd love to hear from you.
1: That's fantastic. I love that you, of course, as a as a nonprofit organization, are looking for
2: always. <laughs> so yeah,
1: you're out there and you're looking for something that you can give your time to um and you're you're looking for some way to share that this is a fantastic organization and uh of course they'd be happy for your help uh thank you so much for joining us today and talking
2: thank you I had a wonderful time
1: um next week um who's coming up we're gonna have John Solomon with project play which is of the Aspen Institute on next week and we're going to be talking about um physical literacy for children and getting them involved in sports and setting them up for a lifetime of like fitness wellness activity. I, I'm excited about that subject too. So listen in again. We'll be back next week. And until then, have a healthy and happy life.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Able Active Moms. We hope the moms out there have learned something useful to help them with their own lives. Until we talk again, have a fantastic week.